Hey everyone, and welcome to Shy and Salty with your hosts, Nikki and Rhea, where we talk through our journeys of learning, unlearning, and relearning in order to help you through yours. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hi, welcome back. I have no energy today. What have you been up to? Capitalism. <laughs> Capitalism <laughs> sucks the life out of you. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> what have you been up to? Capitalism. God, I'm sorry. I feel like today has just been like so much. So much and yet so like a little. Like my brain <laughs> just like does not work. But like Kim Kardashian said, you need to work. Dude, that is literally what my salty <gasps> is today. Shut the fuck up. So I wrote down what she said exactly. If you understand this reference, there's been a video really, uh, there was like an interview with the Kardashian sisters and mom and Variety, I think. And they were promoting the new series that they have, whatever. And she said, I have the best advice for women in business. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. And for like reference, like I don't hate the Kardashians. I do not hate Kim Kardashian. I think she's like smart. She like built all of these businesses and like she's used things against like for her advantage, which like I respect. But at the same time, like, understand your privilege. I just felt like that was so tone deaf and so reminiscent of like, oh, like, we all have the same, like, 24 hours in a day as Beyonce. Like, are you good? (laughs) People don't want (laughs) to – oh, my God. That, like, pissed me off and was definitely my salty today. So I'm glad you brought that up. My salty has to selfishly just have to do with me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My salty was that yesterday I woke up and was like terribly ill. Oh no. And it was like so bad. I was like resting and then I felt like a little better, but I was like, I already took the day off. So like You took off? Yeah. Oh, because you were sick. Okay. Got it. Yeah, like I couldn't even focus. Like my head was like so stuffy. Like mm. I was just ugh. It was like allergies plus like my stomach was like so I don't know I felt like so uncomfortable too oh I'm so sorry how are you feeling today I'm feeling better but like ugh, the worst of it was like at night mm. and Leah was there for it <laughs> so it was, it was what was that laugh for <laughs> what <laughs> that was so like of course we're gonna want to know more <laughs> Please don't be eating, I guess. No, I shouldn't have started with that because that makes it seem like it's going to be something. Oh, I'm re- oh, no, oh, you're like, the people. If on you're the on the toilet and you're sick, there's going to be like sounds coming. Mm. So he's like asleep and he's like, are you okay? <laughs> and just like like knocking on the door and everything. I was like, can you give me a bag? Like da 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 da. So it was. Were you vomiting? No. Wait, I was why did you need a general- bag? <laughs> because I was. 
Wait, what? <laughs> because I think this is so gross. So I'm so sorry to the listeners that might be doing something right now. And if you're in the car and can't stop this or if you're running, like I, I apologize. I was like having the worst pains in the world. Yeah. Um, because I was like, I guess I was like backed up or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel but like why the bag. <laughs> but why a bag? Oh, because at the same time I felt nauseous. Mm, I felt like yeah. I was going to throw up. And I would like try to focus or I just felt so uncomfortable. Well, I hope you're feeling better. Oh yeah. I'm feeling so much better after that. But you know, still just mild symptoms. Oh my god. I mean, okay. I know I already did my salty. But when you were talking about being backed up, it reminded me of a couple of years ago. <laughs> I woke up so sick. Like I could not move. Like my stomach hurt so bad. I went to urgent care for the first time ever. This is when I would like first was living in the city. So I like didn't know like what to do because I didn't have a doctor yet. I don't know. I went to urgent care. I had no idea what urgent care was. She gave me like Advil or something, but she sent me to get a CAT scan. So I went up to Upper East Side, this like radiology place. I don't know if you've ever had a CAT scan before, but you have to like drink all this like stuff beforehand so that I don't, <laughs> I don't know science so that they could like see your like insides and oh like. Oh my God. So I got the CAT scan. They were like, oh shit, like we see some like small like pieces in there. So we have to take another CAT scan. We think it might be kidney stones. They took a second CAT scan. They said, okay, the small piece was that pill that you took earlier at urgent care. Your issue is you have like shit all in your intestines. You are so backed up. Oh my God. So I got a CAT scan because I was constipated oh my god i feel so bad for you wait why it was <laughs> that must be so horrible no it was so it was so painful i was so like oh. it was so funny because the whole day was like this is when me and um jake had first started dating and like the week before he had gotten his wits and teeth out and i was like he like made me be there the whole time and like we watched movies after. And then for this, I was like, hey, like, <laughs> can you help? <laughs> like, I like I need help. Like I can barely like walk. Yeah. And he like went out with his friends and like didn't see me the whole day. And I was like, okay. And then when I found that out that like it was because I was constipated, I was like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> thank God he didn't cancel all his plans to find out that I have to shit. <laughs> My sweet was my deadlifts this week. It's my deload week, but I I started doing conventional deadlifts again like four weeks ago. So at the start of my block last week, I was like, I felt it so much in my back. Like the form, my coach is telling me like is not good. Like I hate the cues that she's giving me. And then this week, something just like clicked with me. I had that aha moment, and. My deadlifts were so good this week, like textbook definition deadlifts this week. And I was so happy. So the next couple months are going to be good now that I know how to actually conventional deadlift. What was your suite? My suite of the week is that the news broke to the clients of how 
I'm rolling off the project the end of the month. Oh my god, end of month? Yeah. Wait, did I not tell you this? No, you just told us that you're officially doing the sales rotation, but you didn't tell us when. Oh, yeah. My project accepted. So then I got a like a call from HR. She's like asking me if I want to do it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like, it's considerate that you ask, but like after going through all this trouble just to then <laughs> ask, like it seems like <laughs> I wouldn't have done that if I was going to say no. So yeah, she said I should get a letter and people should send stuff over. But they've said that in the past and they haven't been consistent. So I'm not worried. That's exciting. End of month. So when we're in Miami, we'll be able to celebrate. Yes. Oh my (laughs) God. I'm so excited. Yeah. Context. We're going to our friend's bachelorette party end of this month in Miami. It's also a joint bachelorette bachelor party. I think that's interesting. I feel like I looked at the itinerary and like this is not like a dig at anyone, but I was like, I'm going to be exhausted. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to like make it through all of these events, but I think it's going to be so fun and it's like so like well planned out. So cool. I'm so excited. In case you like, you don't have Netflix or maybe like live under a rock or something, maybe you've never heard of Love is Blind. It's a dating show on Netflix where you're basically in these like two pods and you can't see the other person, but you're like going on these dates with the person. In order for you to be able to see the person, you have to propose to them. And then you go on this like trip to Mexico, you get married all within like two weeks. I don't know, like a very short amount of time. So basically this season... There was this one character or (laughs) character. They're people. They're like real human beings, which I feel like it didn't connect to me that they're like real human beings until that reunion show. Yeah. When I was like, oh, my God, they're I was also like pretty high watching the reunion. So it was like, oh, my God, these are real people. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I loved how they like all interacted with each other and how they were like, we're just going to keep this private between us. Cause like, yeah, you don't have to share everything. It's like you kind of air what you want and like there's boundaries that are created. You could create your boundaries even if you like sign up to be on a reality TV show. So there's this one character, Shake. He gets engaged to Deepti. I guess like from the very beginning, he would ask questions that were very much alluding to like trying to figure out the person's size because you're in these two pods. It's not like you can't see the other person. So he would ask like leading questions like if we were going to a concert, would I like have trouble like putting you up on my shoulders or I'm really into fashion and like (laughs) what are your sizes? Yeah. So like kind of like rude-ish questions that maybe went against what like the purpose of the experiment was and did he do anything like specifically to deep d about her size from the beginning with shake and deep d when he learned that deep d was also indian and they like he like said oh i'm indian too he like goes with And of course, a lot of the conversations are cut. So maybe it's just like how it's clipped, but it's still being said. He's like, oh, I've only like dated or been with blondes in a way of like kind of like showing that like I'm not someone that like says like who I've been with. And I don't know. It's not like something that would come up with conversation unless 
maybe it's like an insecurity or just to show like oh but like I get like I'm with like a certain standard yeah it definitely felt like it came from a place of like him being insecure about his race and then inherently being like kind of racist like nikki said he would like confess like later on being like oh i was like i was ashamed of like my culture i'm glad that i'm embracing it now so there was moments that he was like actually like reflecting but then just like said things that you shouldn't say to like someone that you supposedly even like care about you don't say that about your friend yeah i feel like i skipped through some of (laughs) a lot of the episodes as I was trying to like really quickly binge through them. So I don't remember <laughs> I don't remember him like coming to terms in a positive way, but although he did end up getting engaged to Deep D. So he was able to like, I guess, turn some of his initial comments around, which I think she even like called her out for. The growth was in the pods. And then once they like got engaged, it just like kind of went back. But anyway, it blends well into what we're going to be talking about today, which is fat phobia and its roots in racism and just like a bunch of different aspects around how we maybe all have a little bit of like internalized fat phobia from growing up in the society. This is a huge topic and we're only going to be able to like scratch the surface of it. But I am curious to see like what we do end up talking about today and curious definitely about like your points of view as like listeners. So please remember to send us DMs after any like kind of responses you have to anything we have to say today. I guess what I've been learning about is where fat phobia stems from. You see in art, a lot of women are curvier, they're bigger, and that's something that was seen as like what everyone wanted to be because it signified that like you came from money because you had like money to spend on food and like be able to eat. So like when did that translate to us now like quote unquote pining over a skinny woman, a skinny white woman a skinny white blonde woman like why is that like the characteristic now when it's like looking at just like the bodies wow so I started reading this book it's called body of truth by Harriet Brown and actually she talks about there's these two theories one is a scarce resources theory so in wealthier societies because it's easier to put on weight because you have access to more food There's more prestige attached to being thin, whereas in regions that are maybe lower income or lower resourced, heavier people are seen as having more access and therefore hold more status and are generally like better off. So there is this idea that because if you don't have access to something, you almost like want the opposite in a way, because like to show that control or like difference. And although that like makes sense, there's another theory of thinking. The International Body Project suggested that people living in wealthier cultures are exposed to more marketing and advertising, as well as more media in general. And there was actually a study done in Fiji, and Fiji was chosen for a couple of reasons. One, large bodies were considered aesthetically pleasing. And dieting and disordered eating was relatively unknown. And third, television wasn't introduced to the country until 1995. So they didn't have 
access to Western media until then. So they were able to like conduct this study a little bit more authentically, I guess, than you would in like more Western cultures. So three years after Western television was introduced, the girls in Fiji, 11% of them said they vomited for weight loss versus before when none of them did that. 69% acknowledged dieting when previously like there was no dissatisfaction with their bodies or like very little. And three quarters of them said they felt too big or too fat at least some of the time. So there was this like want for these people who like were not brought up exposed to Western media or maybe like being targeted via like diet culture. And they saw these slim, thin, like Western bodies on TV and decided that like they wanted to look like that because these were the people who were – like they were so exposed to as like having this like aspiring life in a way. No, that's very interesting. It's like, it just begs the question, like, why is that from like a different perspective, why that's seen as like the center, but like there's a reason why it's put on media to like provide that image. Yeah. And also like the entire point of advertising is to make people feel more insecure so that they purchase your product. They feel that they need your product in order for them to feel better about themselves. At least that's how I like perceive advertising and media to work. I'm curious about how we can change that. And I think there have been ways of creating more diversity in terms of like different races, different body shapes, different weights, like all different types of bodies I feel like are slightly more prevalent in marketing now. But at the same time, I feel like there's even more marketing now than there was in the 90s. We see marketing almost like <laughs> like every, not maybe not every second of the day, but like probably like at least once every hour, like the amount of ads now that we can see via Instagram, via social media, via the internet, like it's insane. We don't even just have to like wait until we're driving past a billboard or wait until like mid commercial or mid TV show, like during a commercial. And then they have free advertisement when it comes to friends and families and strangers making comments of your body. So yes, there's a million percent also that they've also grown through this uh, diet culture too. But I think the only reason why that's like the chosen body that is the epitome of health is because from what I was researching, it's like, it's because they didn't want to look in any way like the slaves. So they went the opposite route. From my research, I saw like in the early 1900s, to be fat was correlated with being weak-willed, unrestrained, unproductive, and gluttonous. And it was the lowest social order, which was associated with immigrants and other peoples of color believed to be inferior races. So there was definitely this like eugenics piece of like, okay, like fatness is related to immigrants because I don't know, maybe like people had different body shapes because different body shapes were like preference and people have like different genetic. And then in the 1950s, magazines like Harper's Bazaar were publishing articles that were tying to 
African savagery and the obesity epidemic specifically problemized Black women as social dead weight, which, so all of which is relying on politicizing bodies cloaked on this rhetoric of objective science or objective health, which I feel like I see now, like, especially with COVID, I feel like I've seen a lot where there's people like, oh, like you're talking so much about getting vaccinated, but like, what about obesity or like all the like heart problems people have? Like, uh, <laughs> I feel like they're different things entirely for one. And like, even if you do see like linkages between obesity and higher rates of like death with COVID, one correlation is not the same as causation. And two, like, I don't know, I feel like telling people to like, oh, like exercise and take care of yourself is a way like longer term solution or like health solution than like a very immediate like emergency epidemic. Like I just felt like it was so like tone deaf of the people who were who were saying that. Oh, my God. And it's like whatever weight you are, you can be unhealthy. It's like. It's more of having an aesthetic that someone chose to make it as the center of focus for women to be. Who says we have to like look a certain way to be healthy? And we have the father of modern medicine, Hippocrates, a Greek man who started that situation. Search for only like the population that they have, but applying to other. What did, what did Hippocrates, is it Hippocrates or Hippocrates? Hippocrates. I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, I should. Apparently he saved Athens from a plague. Um, but essentially it's like you can only treat or you only know what you know. So you can't apply what has been studied for one person or one race to all the races and all the sexes which leads very well into bmi which i could be (laughs) i could talk about forever um but for some background bmi body mass index in case you like aren't aware of that abbreviation although i think it's like so like popularized in our health systems now so it was developed by adolf quitlet i don't know first of all first of all quitlet what Adolf. Adolf. Adolf with a PH. No, I know. We should already be Red flag. skeptical. <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> uh, but it was developed by him in the mid-1800s in Belgium. His index was meant to find, quote, the ideal man's weight. And he found <laughs> he defined that as being the mathematical mean of a population. When he was doing it, it was never intended to be used as a measure of a person's body fat or health, but it was a scientific justification for eugenics, which we were briefly talking about before, which is the study of, quote, improving, unquote, the genetic quality of a population by excluding groups that are judged to be inferior. So excluding groups via segregating or sterilizing or whatever. So in the early 1900s, weight started being a primary indicator of health, 
when U.S. life insurance companies started forming and trying to determine insurance rates. So they were compiling a bunch of tables of heights and weights. And then in the 1970s, Ansel Keys was tasked with finding the most cost-efficient measurement of body fat to use in doctor's offices. So he conducted a study of 7,500 men from the U.S., Finland, Italy, Japan, and South Africa, who were all predominantly white, and he ended up promoting Quetzalcoatl's body mass index. So in 1985, BMI was popularized and legitimized by the National Institute of Health. So not only is the BMI inaccurate for white men because it's solely based off your height, weight, and your age and doesn't distinguish between fat, muscle, bone, fluid weight, it's even more inaccurate, obviously, for women and people of color. Over 50% of people with an overweight BMI had a healthy cardiometabolic profile with normal blood pressure, cholesterol, and blood sugar. About 25% of people with a normal BMI had an unhealthy cardiometabolic profile. Studies show that BMI tends to overestimate fatness and health risks for black people. Talking about that too, BMI obviously, like it's since it's just based off of your height, weight, and your age, it does not talk about like whether or not you smoke. It doesn't talk about how much activity you do during the week, how much you walk during the week, how many like fruits and vegetables that you eat, how much alcohol you drink. Like it's not based off of any kind of like healthy or quote unquote healthy activity or activity level that like may be more indicative of health than just like your weight. When was the first time you were introduced to BMI? I don't know. Did we do it maybe in like high school? Yeah. I remember. I feel like maybe we learned about it in high school. Yeah, that was the same for me. It was like high school. I was like overweight, but I was like, I don't look overweight. (laughs) So I was like, okay. I was like, I mean, I told my mom, I was like, apparently I'm overweight, but you know, I got goodies. So what can I do? I got goodies. And that's the (laughs) thing. It's like boobs are fat. And like not in a negative way, just in like a like you I don't know, like you you could be these it's just fat completely yeah, different it's... people and be literally the same size and not that this is like an argument for anything, but you could be like oh, completely no. the same size and one has like one is my boob size and one is your boob size and like you could be different like BMI indicators. It's insane. It doesn't make any sense. And then also like doctors will, and I'm not saying every doctor does this, but there definitely are doctors that like treat you different if, or like misdiagnose you if you are overweight or obese, according to your BMI, because they just be like, oh, like you should just lose weight instead of like actually like listening to your concerns and making a more accurate diagnosis. That's what I hear on like a lot of uh, people's stories on TikTok saying how they were like discriminated against and then they like lost the weight, came back and apparently had cancer that they like was able to get out and be good. But because they were bigger, they they were treated. Yeah, no, they got very lucky, but we got to stop with that. (laughs) I think with fat phobia, 
it can be taught with or through your culture. We spoke about it like on a previous episode, how like family members tend to comment a lot about your weight as if that is what's indicating not only your health, but your happiness and your quality of life, because it's always the center of tension in conversations. As far as like how I was, like how I internalized fat phobia, it's just something that like when I was growing up, it's just like what you think. As you obviously grow up, you see how that's not the case. How like I, I mean, we all get it to some degree. Um, obviously I wasn't like, I wasn't big when I was younger. Um, but I did have like curves and I was like shorter and I just like look different. So people like it would, it wouldn't affect like how I would play. Like I was really fast, even though I was like shorter, like had like shorter legs and was like built a little different than everyone else. And look different like in terms of your family or like people at like school? No, people at, at school. Okay. I'm saying that part. But like, for example, like my sister, she was like bigger when she was little, but she would do the same sports as I did. Like she would eat the same way as I did. And like it would just – we would just look different because we are different people. And like what's good for her is what's good for her. What's good for me is what's good for me. But like she would always like eat her vegetables and all that stuff. So I'm like it's not – I never like really thought of it like after – that's like something that people kind of have to like learn on their own who might be still having that mentality. And that's what I see a lot on TikTok now, which is very sad. But it's also like reasons why people are like mean nowadays. Well, what did you see? Like, what do you see on TikTok? Like, is there because I know before you were talking about how there are TikToks about that are calling out like weight stigma and showing like negative experiences that people have had at like doctor's offices where like weight stigma was really like shown but are there like all is there like another side of tiktok that's like prioritizing smaller smaller bodies and smaller sizes yeah so essentially like the first thing is that the first area of that subgenre is like everyone can post on tiktok so if you have an opinion and you post it then you post it and TikTok's going to give you videos that you are going to like based on what you like. Mm-hmm. Similar to Instagram. Yeah. So essentially with TikTok, there is an area where it's guys being like, I will date anyone except for like fat women. So you have like people out there that I only see these videos because I follow this woman on TikTok. Look, she gets tagged in these videos. She shows a little clip drew alfalo she shows a little clip of them and then she just like absolutely like roses them it's the energy that like they were giving like being like oh like you're fat as like the diss and then like she being like oh well your hairline is receding like you better go fix that like you know like it matches Mm -hmm. the energy and then she like takes it up a notch because it's like (laughs) you bite i'll bite harder I mean, at least that's what my mom taught me when I was younger. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the other side of it is like women who we have this body positivity, like movement that's been going on, which is amazing. And 
the only issue is that you have people that are mostly they have negative views of their bodies, but they're showing it on TikTok to show that they are like are bigger, but they're not big. They're not like objective, like maybe internally they feel big, but like objectively, like they're not big. So them saying that like makes people who are bigger. Yeah. More insecure. Yes, exactly. I need to get better with TikTok trends. I need to like, I never check TikTok because I don't get notifications. I like have that turned off. So I just like, and it's like so hidden in my, in my folders on my phone that I just like never check it. Okay, so I don't have notifications, but I still check it. Like, all <laughs> yeah, stuff. I feel like once it's like routine, like I check Instagram. I, know, I hate it. I gotta stop. But sometimes it's like so good. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like you you learn a lot. I feel like you also can like end up wasting like a lot of time on like mindless stuff. But I feel like there's good information out there too. Just like like any like any social media. I feel like it's what it's going to happen is that it's a search engine and you can, let's say you have a book report like due tomorrow or something. I'm talking about the kids of the future. They have a book report on a book and they're like, oh shit, like they'll just go to TikTok, listen to the whole story and then like do like deeper, at least like start with TikTok and go from there mm-hmm. to like help them study or like learn it or like just learn from like a new perspective. No, I mean, I wish I, I mean, I probably had YouTube when I was in school, but I wish I was able to utilize it more. Yeah. And now TikTok is like going to have 10 minute videos. So. Oh, shit. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes because I don't know how I'm going to feel with a 10 minute video on it, but maybe if they organize it better, then it might be good because now they put folders in your favorites so you can organize your favorites. So that's what I've been doing. So I have like a buy. I have like, oh, I have one for Miami. I have a couple TikToks I want to do. <laughs> Amazing. If um, I end up doing it. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> I mean, okay. So similar, like while we're talking about TikTok, and I think similarly to what we were talking about before in terms of like how do certain body types get like put on this like pedestal of like what other people like should want to achieve. How do we think social media impacts people's bodies. And I know there's like actual studies done on this, but I feel like it's worth talking about. Oh my God. Oh my God, Nikki. I didn't know about all these things that you can facetune until TikTok. And there's this one app that can facetune your face instantly. Make you look like you got your makeup did, like you look good. Like I put it on me, I was like, I look good. <laughs> like you can get away with it. Yeah. But you have to be smart about it. And there's this girl that ha- she's been like putting it on. I was like, oof, it shows. So are you but- promoting it? I mean, no, not I'm just not saying like I didn't realize like how fake social media is. And like yeah. in that thinking, I'm like, that's what stops me from like thinking negative thoughts about myself. I mean, that's so cool that you could separate that. Cause I feel like as much as I as much information as I find out about like how fake like people's posts are or like the things that they can do to their bodies like both like in real life and via filters or photoshop or whatever 
I feel like there's still this sense of like me, like logging into Instagram, seeing a picture and being like, fuck, like I need to look like this. Or I don't know, like it definitely still like impacts my thinking as much as I know so much information about like it being fake or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, like from your perspective, when it comes to the fitness community, when you see other women, does it make you feel more competitive? Like, I don't know if that's the kind of mindset like I would want to have with like social media, but it is something that can like affect your mood as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, and I'm saying I, when I'm like kind of broadening it to like, I feel like the general user on Instagram, even if they know like, okay, like people face tune their pictures or whatever, there is still this sense of like comparison and the sense of like other people not knowing. Like with Jake, sometimes we'll talk about the filters people put on and be like, hey, like actually this person looks like this because of this filter or like what they're doing. And he's like, oh, like I had no idea that that happened. My perception is... Like if other people think that's real, then like that is also almost like what my ideal should be in a way. Does that make sense? It like if other people think that that's real, then like I should still attain for that. Yeah. Because how would they know? Although like yeah. I'm, I don't think that individually. No, no, no. I get completely what you're saying. It's like, well, just like do it anyways. Yeah, because it's like you can choose to learn more about filters or like the fakeness of some some posts on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I edit my photos. Like, I, I like, I'll brighten photos. I'll give myself more hair. What? Yeah. How? Because sometimes like the picture, like my hair, because it looks like I do it so that it looks like my hair, how it would look like, but it just is like a bad angle. So it doesn't like show it. How do you do that, though? I'm genuinely asking right now. What the? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's Facetune. There's also like apps like I don't know. It's also a lot with your photos on Instagram, like in general. Like you are posting, so you might like angle yourself a certain way to like perceive like a certain look. Totally fair. People use like angles and lighting in real life without like actually like editing the videos or the photos after, but that's still like altering an image in a way or like setting up an image. Not that it's like either is negative. No, I'm just and also lighting at posing and lighting. I am so unphotogenic. It's like not real. I'm so unphotogenic. <laughs> that is not true. That is so true. It's like if I take photos of myself, then I feel good. But I don't like when other people take photos of me. I can't take photos of myself. I can't have other people take photos of me. I yeah. I'll take photos of you. Oh my god! Please do. Please teach. We'll me put. We'll put. Oh, maybe in Miami, we'll do like a sexy photo shoot, <laughs> yeah. and I'll take pictures of everyone. We'll all figure out our angles. Yeah. Anyway, back to our topic. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what are ways then that we can catch ourselves when going on social media, when looking at images of like celebrities, like what are ways that we can do to like either not compare? I don't know if that's even like possible to like not compare, but like to feel maybe like more comfortable in our own bodies or to like not let that affect the way that 
we think our bodies should look like. I mean, you just need to appreciate what you have. You have to remember at the end of the day, it's like, it's a body and that's not what signifies you. But I mean, wear what like makes you feel sexy. And if you're comfortable doing that in public, then do that in public. If if you want to do it like in private, like I like, like putting on lingerie and like taking pictures of myself just to like feel sexy. I don't do anything with them, but it's like, I don't know. It's just like my time with myself and like, you just got to do things that like you like and just like appreciate your body that way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And also like, like my suite today, I feel like there's like, if you do things for like the performance aspect too, like if you're exercising or like working towards like specific it doesn't even have to be a specific goal but like even just like walking or like I want to walk this number of times this week or I want to like squat 200 pounds or something like I feel like working towards goals not that it'll change your body but just like acquiring skill like acquiring like confidence in like what your body can do can sometimes feel like empowering and make you feel more confident in your body too and proud yeah. of your body. No, I agree. That's exactly like how I felt after running my first half marathon. I was just like, wow, like the body is amazing. Right. Like what you can like put it through, like how strong it is. Like I was never able to do this and like, wow. Body is amazing. I feel like especially in the fitness industry and like what we were talking about before with COVID, I think that there are times where maybe we have this like internalized fat phobia or like this like, oh, that person like should lose weight. But like it's not because I don't like how they look. It's because like I care about their health. I feel like there's a lot of that like narrative in the fitness or like health industries when that's not – necessarily true and also it's very inherently like fat phobic like even like health aside like that's just like judging someone based on things like someone that you don't know like their life like I don't know I'm wording things poorly but no I think at the end of the day (laughs) just don't assume things of people you don't know them so just don't assume things I think everyone just wants that respect. Like, just don't assume something about me. Get to know me. Might be a vibe. Might not. Yeah. So something else we wanted to bring up is food apartheids and people's access to food. So food apartheid is three things. One, the systematic destruction of Black self-determination to control their food. So this includes land and resource theft discrimination. And like, I feel like this doesn't even have to be said, but obviously the land and labor used to like build our modern day American food system relied on violence and exploitation and forms of slavery and sharecropping and everything. So white neighborhoods contain an average of four times as many supermarkets as black neighborhoods. Whereas one in four Native Americans lack access to healthy food. I mean, that's what they saw on tr- for Trader Joe's. There was a TikTok on it where they like looked where the Trader Joe's are and they're all in like white affluent communities. Yeah. And even like lower income 
communities are more likely to have less grocery stores and more like liquor stores and bodega, like convenience stores. And that's where people get their primary like food sources. So secondly, predatory processed and fast food marketing. So I'm not saying like processed or fast food is bad, but if you're like McDonald's and you're primarily targeting a specific group of people, then I feel like that is like eyebrow raising. So fast food restaurant locations are associated more with a neighborhood's racial makeup than with its income. As white people moved out of inner cities to suburbs, companies like McDonald's started specifically targeting black communities, which I mean... Is fucked. I oh wow. Feel like in our post for this week, I'll include some like old advertisement that McDonald's used that were like like using like the verbiage that I feel like that community used. Like they were making it very very like targeting towards specific people. Yeah, and so third, food apartheid is a discriminatory corporate controlled food system that results in. Black, indigenous, people of color communities suffering from the highest rates of heart disease and diabetes. So $240 billion a year in health costs fall disproportionately on low-income communities of color. $240 billion. Oh, Nikki. And there's a dramatic increase in obesity, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, immunity disorders, and hypertension in neighborhoods with high socioeconomic inequalities. So you can tell like how skewed access is in those kinds of communities. And something that I learned that I was pissed about was that food insecurity, so like someone not being able to purchase or produce their own food and like people going hungry isn't because there's some sort of food shortage but it's because people are unable to afford like buying or producing that food. So like the majority of the world's hungry population works in agriculture. So they work on farms, they work in these like huge systems and they can't even like, they don't get paid enough to actually be able to afford the food that they're making, which is ridiculous. That's what I see. Like, especially the, um, I don't know what's the proper term, but the chicken corporations. Purdue? Yeah, like Purdue and them. Oh, all they're, of them. No, no, no. It's just like, it was just like in that community, they have like these farms where if they, they're all contained, like if one of them gets sick, then the farmers owe the corporation like so much money. And it's like to a point that they would make like pennies on like what they're having so it just like drove them a lot into debt as like the higher the need is for them and like such bad conditions for the chickens yeah i mean our food systems clearly like are only like for profit versus like actually being sustainable uh, for the land or for our like environment the number of sustainable farming practices used by like major corporations is very few and far in between yeah and also like small farmers and like small farms like they are so much better for the environment yeah that's why i want my own garden i want my own yard i mean i was at my cousin's place last weekend 
and she has a farm so she can like she has like a butcher down the street she has so much land and she has a stream so it's like it's perfect can they fish in the stream i don't know if there's fish but people kayak so there might be fish i don't know i don't know how fish work (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that would be like something that i would want to do but maybe just like grow my own food i love the idea of growing my own food i think it's funny that i feel like we like we're almost going back to like practices that like indigenous people like in all parts of the world but like initially used you know like yeah. they they knew best and i think we this over-engineered. is T- not tldr but like the whole point of like talking about the food apartheid today is like i feel like we put a lot of individual blame on people for like again like people shouldn't be judged for being fat or like what they look like but even like this health side of like this faux like concern of people's health if they're obese it's like we're not really creating systems where people can be healthy or people have access to like quote unquote like healthy food because also like processed food also can be healthy like foods are not in inherently like healthy or unhealthy like do you have any examples of processed foods that are healthy um so i mean like and i'm not saying that this is healthy inherently but like chips like you can fit chips into like a healthy diet like foods aren't like good or bad there's no like moral like association to be made with different foods it's like if what you want to eat if it like provides you value in a way like in maybe that's emotional comfort maybe that's like oh this is like time with my family or maybe that's like oh this helps me like this helps me perform better in my exercises that's all providing something it doesn't have to be like the lowest calorie like lowest cholesterol food possible no agreed I think that was like something that helped with my like relationship with food is like just putting like stuff that I like but like for example I do like chips and my favorite is barbecue chips but I got this like <laughs> I just love I do like chips my favorite is barbecue chips but my like... favorite is barbecue chips <laughs> um so <laughs> I went to BJ's and I got a big box that has barbecue chips uh salt like sea salt chips and then a uh, jalapeno but it's like I found that it was like Oh, organic in the sense of it's just potatoes and just like spices. But it was like, I just bought it because it's like, I like it and I want a barbecue chips. But it doesn't mean that I can't eat it because it's like unhealthy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we talked about this in our body episode. In my experience with my own self and like working with clients, like restricting will really only lead you to binge. Like, when you feel like you can't have a food then the second you can have it like you're going to want as much of it as possible whether and i don't know it's also like not going to make you like live happily i don't know food is meant to be eaten food isn't (laughs) i also hate this like the food is fuel like okay food is fuel but also it has such a deeper meaning than that eating food with your family like eating food that you're 
grandparents or your parents like cooked for you out of like this love like it's a love language it's an experience oh yeah it's definitely a love language that's my poppy he always like would cook for us and show his love through like cooking for others yeah i mean it's like a huge part of all of our lives and to like demonize specific foods or like cuisines or any of that is like I don't know. Not it. And also, like, if we want to put blame on anyone, like, let's put blame on these large corporations that are, like, specifically targeting different communities or specifically, like, creating their, like, franchised stores, like, accessible to these communities or refusing to, like, create supermarkets in these communities. It's not an individual's fault if they grow up without maybe, like, nutrition education or access to exercise or aren't brought up learning about like health or movement or nutrition it's all of these systems play a huge role I mean I I always think about this it's like at the end of the day I was just born like you don't choose anything so you have to like realize that that's like the situation for everyone else is he thinking about other people sometimes I don't understand how people don't like, I, I don't understand the lack of empathy. I just can't, like, relate to it. Cool. All right. Well, wrapping up, don't forget to rate this podcast. Like, I don't know if you could like it. <laughs> Follow. <laughs> subscribe. Yeah. And and please DM us at Cheyenne Salty on Instagram to give us any feedback, any questions, any, like, thoughts you had especially about this episode in particular we want to hear from you we can only be better if we're better together we appreciate you listening and participating in this journey with us and that's a wrap follow us on twitter instagram and tiktok at shy and salty where you can dm us with questions and stories slash topics that you would like us to cover for future episodes thanks again for listening to shy and salty Take care of yourselves and see you next Tuesday.